Welcome to Camp Constitution Radio with your host, Hal Shirtliff. This show is heard on WBCQ The Planet every Tuesday and Thursday evenings, 8 o'clock, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can also pick this show up on Automatic. That's our flagship platform for our podcast, as well as Spotify, Amazon, and about a half a dozen others. Brought to you by Camp Constitution, which, among other things, runs a week-long family camp. And we expect to sell out very early. We already have about 40 uh, applications. Half of them are brand new. I think that's due to our instructor, Professor Willie Soon, on the Tucker Carlson Show about a week, two weeks ago. And we're still getting an incredible response from uh, that appearance. And not only was it on a show, but it's on YouTube and numerous other people pick it up uh, on X and Rumble and a bunch of other formats. So, And then they actually, um, it was a 48-minute interview, and they cut it down. They sliced uh, four or five minutes, the last four or five minutes, where Willie is talking about the mathematic um, proof of God in mathematics. And then he gave us a nice little minute and a half, two-minute uh, unscripted from the heart um, commercial for Camp Constitution. But we have a weekend retreat, uh, late September, as well as a ladies retreat in, in early April. And activities all the time. So visit our website, campconstitution.net. Now, lots of things have been happening. The last week, a ridiculous case in Manhattan where this crazy woman accused Trump of uh, raping her 30 years ago, but she doesn't really know where or when. Or It was in a department store, of course, where Trump was probably always shopping in a woman's section, of course. And, um, but I, 80 million. $80 million. Outrageous. It just shows you that in some places there's absolutely no chance of justice. I know I had a law professor many years ago, Jerry Van Dam, and he said in the United States, he said, you have a chance at justice. Not that you'll get it, but you, and he said, that's saying a lot because in most countries it doesn't exist. Well, in certain places in this country, it doesn't exist either. Whether that be uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, whether it be New York, Manhattan, there was no ju- Washington D.C. There's no justice if you are not of the right uh, political persuasion. You are guilty, no matter what, and they'll crush you. That's that's the whole purpose of this, folks. But also, uh, we might be on the brink of World War Three, and uh, of course, Biden, the Biden administration has been funding the Iraqi. He let all the he released all the billions of dollars to our everything that Trump did that was good for the country he reversed, and uh, the terrorist group that's killing Americans now launching uh, launching missiles he he refunded them uh, because they really weren't that bad after all. Uh, and by the way, this is nothing new. The United States has been funding both sides for many many years. Let me recommend um, there's a book called National Suicide, <clears throat> came out I think in the late seventies by the late Anthony Sutton, Professor Anthony Sutton. And it goes into how, basically, we have funded the Soviet, the old Soviet Union, Eastern Germany, East, yeah, and then East Germany, I should say. During the Vietnam War, we would send uh, technological uh, equipment, um, uh, all kinds of uh, hardware to the Eastern Bloc nations, and then you would ship it to North Vietnam. Um, and interesting, that was verified. Uh, I was visiting an aviation museum in 
uh, just north of Hartford, Connecticut, uh, about 10 years ago. And I got this little, there was a little emotional pamphlet from Sikorsky. Um, and in it, this, no, this would be the son or grandson of the great Igor Sikorsky, the great Russian, white Russian general, patriot, also, um, I don't know if he was a general, but he, he was the one who made the major designs on the helicopter. And he was a patriot and Christian when he came here. And his his son is basically, oh, I think it was either a son or, or, or a grandson that was running the company. And he was just saying how they made, they did business in Eastern Europe in the 60s. And he thought it was a great thing. Nick is, I think Igor Sikorsky died in the early 60s, if I'm not mistaken. And I actually had friends that knew him and had got a book from him called the 23rd Psalm. Anyway, <clears throat> But I'm not going to go into all that. Uh, there's lots and lots of great pundits to discuss this, and that's something I obviously will be talking about as time goes on. But I wanted to finally, finally, the uh, book that book project that I've been working on, and I not thought I've been working on it every waking moment of my life. It would have been out much sooner. But I've discussed uh, the racist roots of Planned Parenthood. And its legacy of death. That's the title of my book. I uh, we just got an ISBN number yesterday, and we ordered the first printing. I, uh, I had a prototype, which I'm holding in my hand. Um, the first uh, hard copy, and of course, with some typos. I've noticed it's a lot easier to um, find typos when you actually have a the hard copy book. We can the online version. I must have done like. 15 spell checks. And one of the problems is most of the book, I'm transcribing letters written back in the 1930s to the early 1950s. And certain punctuations change over time. Hyphens are taken or removed. So I had to make sure that I in certain figures of speech and the way people express themselves back then. It's a little different today. So I had to keep on, okay, no, you, no, this is the way I want it. I want it verbatim. I'm not trying to edit the the letters. This is I want I want it to have it the way it is. But a little background here. Um, some years ago, I became aware of something called the Negro Project. This is where uh, certain white elites and, by the way, black elites uh, uh, try to encourage uh, family planning, quotation marks, birth control, and then eventually abortion uh, with, uh, among blacks and other groups. And a copy of a, a letter that Margaret Sanger sent to Clarence Gamble, Dr. Clarence Gamble, and it was dated December 10th, 1939. It's a three-page letter. Uh, it's typed on note uh, notepaper. And basically, uh, Sanger is telling Gamble, you know, she's laying out, that we need to have colored dogs. By the way, the term colored was not considered um, a slander. It was just a tip. It was a term that was used. But she used the word, the term colored Negro, which I thought was kind of amusing. Colored Negro. <laughs> like, what other kind of Negro is there? In fact, well, I'd get, I'd want to get ahead of myself. But anyway, so I looked at the, uh, and at one, some point, I looked at the address of uh, the letter was sent to Milton, Massachusetts on Adams Street. <clears throat> Not too far, by the way, where John Adams lived up. He lived in the, nearby Quincy, uh, right next door. And I know where Adams Street is. I used to 
drive by it, not the house like, uh, where Gamble lived, but close in the neighborhood. It goes for a, low, a neighborhood called Lower Mills on my way to work. So I thought, let me let's do a video across the street from the house. We didn't want to make any, you know, get anybody uncomfortable. You know, what are you doing? In front? And Gamble, and I'll mention who, oh, Dr. Clarence Gamble was a uh, cohort cohort of um, Sanger. He was a eugenicist. He was uh, he was a doctor, Harvard trained. Uh, he was the grandson of one of the founders of Procter and Gamble, and he was an heir, so he didn't have to worry about a paycheck. Where you know was he wasn't living pay, paycheck to paycheck. So what we did was uh, this would be back in uh, November, going into last day of November of nine, 2018. So I had Reverend Stevie Kraft. He's our camp chaplain, who happens to be black. And he read the letter, and when making this video, he read the letter and made commentary on it. And we wanted to point out that, you know, if you're a pro-life, don't come to the house and protest. Uh, I don't know who lives there. <clears throat> the house has nothing to do with it. And I don't think the Gamble family is involved at all. So that owns the house anymore. So don't let this be a place to protest. And But what's interesting is that as we're doing the video, uh, realizing that uh, Prescott Bush lived just a short distance uh oh i don't know maybe 10 or so houses and this is a beautiful neighborhood there's no this isn't the low rent district maybe eight or nine ten houses there's a museum called the forbes museum uh that's sort of in between the two of them and um which i do recommend a visit uh, there's a there's a replica abraham lincoln log cabin in the back but anyway press <clears throat> and this is also the house where george H.W. was born in its private residence, not a museum. So um, I knew that Prescott Bush was the first treasurer of Planned Parenthood. And both Bush and Gamble had lived in this neighborhood at the same time for a while. At some point, Prescott moved to Connecticut, ran for the U.S. Senate, and at that time, Connecticut had a, a real a sort of a large, still has a relatively large Catholic population, but they're not the Catholics that were two generations ago. And when they found out that Bush was a part of the Planned Parenthood, they, um, they didn't like him. They didn't. Uh, he, he eventually got elected. <clears throat> anyway. Um, so <clears throat> I thought that maybe there's some correspondence between the two of them and it'd be quite revealing. So it was about a year later. It was again, it wasn't right away. Uh, actually, no, it was. Um, oh, ironically, too, that evening, that same day, that's when George H. W. passed away. I just thought, well, wow, what's what an interesting thing. He was obviously in failing health, but the same day we made that video is the same day that George H. W. passed away. H. W. Uh, Herbert Walker Bush passed away. But anyway, um. I discovered that Clarence Gamble's letters, his papers, were stored at the Countway Library, which is the uh, Harvard Medical School Library. And I was told that it's the largest medical school library, not just in the United States, but in the world. Not sure about that, but that's what I was told, and it probably is. So I made an appointment and went there, spent, oh, I don't know, a couple of hours, three hours. I asked for, you know, letters and such, and I didn't find any letters between Bush and Gamble, mainly, I think, because if they lived in close proximity, there would be no need to correspond by letter. You were talking to each other. And there's an old saying, I'm not calling you verbatim, but 
you know, better to uh, better to uh, speak than to write, better to wink than to, to to speak, and better to nod than to wink or something like that. In other words, the less of a paper trail there is, the better, especially if you're doing things that uh, maybe a lot of people won't like. But again, I found uh, this correspondence between Gamble and Sanger, and it was quite, it was quite interesting. Uh, not only was there a Puerto Rican, I'm sorry, uh, a Negro project, but there was something called the Puerto Rican project. Now, I was not familiar with that. It's where Puerto Rican women were being used as guinea pigs in Puerto Rico, uh, poor women, of course, to test the um, the birth control pill. And, and um, Gamble was a big supporter of that. Uh, and by the way, I want to point out, too, that I don't think there was any benevolence whatsoever in the minds and hearts of these people, these elitists. Oh, the black family, the poor blacks are struggling. We need to help them. No, I think mainly they like the idea of birth control. So they would, uh, these people were hedonistic. Now, I don't think Gamble was. He was a married man. I don't think he was a sex pervert, but a lot of people in Sanger's circle were. Uh, she was, uh, she was, uh, she, she spent time in England and she uh, lived with Havelock Ellis. Who's a, he was a real degenerate pervert. She, um, Sanger, her, I think it was her second husband. Basically it was a marriage of convenience and she, they made prenuptials that she had her own room and she came and come when as she pleased. And she entertained whomever she wished and the guy who actually uh, Sanger was a was was a conservative, but he was so enchanted by her that he just agreed with all this stuff. It's amazing to shake your head, but <clears throat> so that's in my opinion that all this this birth control and family planning started out as just a way to uh, make it easy to deal with their sexual the uh, the end result of their sexual um, proclivities. In other words, pregnancies. We just wanted to end them as quickly as we can. But Sanger, of course, um, and my book isn't that. It's only like 80, 82, 83 pages. It's not a, a big tome. There's been other books that have uh, done a great job of exposing Sanger and her group of uh, socialists and Marxists and anti-Americans and perverts. One of them is called uh, Grand Illusions, The Legacy of Planned Parenthood. And that was written way back, I think, in the 80s. I got a copy of it, uh, and it's an excellent book. Doesn't mention Clarence Gamble in there. And by the way, the book's written by George Grant. And then there's a documentary. It's a lengthy documentary. And I know when you make a documentary, you might get, you know, 20 hours of footage. And you say, well, no one's going to sit through 20-hour video. Uh, some people would, but most people won't. So they got to scale it down. And you say, oh, gee, this is good. That's good. So I think it's over two hours or, or at least close to that. But it's called... Mahafa, M-A-A-F-A. -A -A. That's Swahili for genocide, I think. Mahafa 21. And uh, it goes into Planned Parenthood. And uh, I also have to recommend, and I've discussed this with these movies, there's some great movies that came out in the last three years to expose the whole abortion industry. But one of them is called Gosnell, America's greatest serial, biggest serial killer. It's about a, 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 a abortion doctor who happened to be black in Philadelphia. And it was interesting. It was a his abortion mill was a filthy, disgusting place, but he had white clients got the nice clean rooms. The poor blacks and other, um, you know, they they got the filthy places. And anyway, thankfully he's doing life in prison after. And it was a very good movie. Uh, 
to to uh, do I do um, encourage you to watch the movie. So in the letters, this Negro Project letter actually held the original letter. Uh, Margaret Sanger's papers are at the Smith Library in Northampton, Massachusetts. But there was a, a few letters that were really, really, uh, one of the letters, it was in the early 50s. And it, they're, they're all in this book. Sanger was lamenting to uh, Gamble <laughs> that she doesn't think she really compl accomplished too much because she can hear still the shrieking children shrieking on America's playground. In other words, her goal was to rid of any children, have no children whatsoever. Um, <clears throat> there's also a number of people mentioned in the letter. Excuse me, I still have this little nagging cough. And I don't have a cough button here in my uh, my my makeshift studio. But anyway, um, there are people, uh, Albert Lasker, and he's referred to uh, in several of the letters. Lasker was the man who funded the Negro Project, maybe not entirely. And by the way, the Negro Project lasted from, I think, 1938, 39 to 1942. And this is where they would get, they would set up, birth control clinics in the South in large in large Black populations, and they would get Black doctors and, and Black clergymen to support it. Now, this was a prototype. They were successful in doing this, and then it just went, sort of went viral, to, to use the term, to the point where Martin Luther King in 1966, he and Lyndon Johnson were the first two recipients of Planned Parenthood's Margaret Sanger Award. <clears throat> now, Sanger was still alive at the time. She didn't make it. She was too sick. King was busy, so he sent his wife to read the speech that no doubt was written for him. Now, he may have written a speech, but most of his speeches were written, and that's just Many people read speeches that are written for them. Every not too many presidents. Uh, I don't think there hasn't been a president that written, has written his own speech. I think probably in in over a hundred years. And there he is praising Sanger, and he's saying how much they have in common. And I published that letter in our book too. And this might be the first time that it's actually published in a book because I know. King has been sacrosanct. You can't criticize him. And to the far left, he's a far leftist. To the mainstream liberals, he's a mainstream liberal. To conservative Republicans, he's a conservative Republican. Will the real, will, will the real Martin Luther King please stand up? Well, when you read this letter or this, this speech, and I made a little critique about it, that whoever wrote the speech... It could not have been written by a person who calls himself a Christian. And uh, it was written by, no doubt, a secular humanist that had disdain for the black community. He actually considered big families uh, an, evil, an evil thing. A large family, if it happened to be black, was an evil thing. It's amazing. So that's published in the book. Um, I went into, um, oh, there was another, there was a lady... Oh yeah, let me get let me get back to Lasker. This is important because <clears throat> Lasker ended up marrying um, 
Mary, uh, well, his wife, Mary, I can't remember maiden name. Mary was, and it's, it's in my book. I have the footnotes, but Mary was, uh, ran, uh, a, 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 she ran a clinic, a, uh, Planned Parenthood clinic. And, and, and the name changed in, I think in 1941 or 42, it was, um, it, they had a, a birth control. I think it was called birth control, uh, something or other birth control league. And it changed to Planned Parenthood. Anyway, La, uh, Mary, she married this art dealer. They got divorced, ended up marrying Lasker. And uh, he was known as the father of modern advertisement. And uh, they said one of his uh, biggest jobs was to uh, convince women that smoking was good. <clears throat> I remember the Virginia Slims commercial. And you've got your own cigarette now, baby. You've come a long, long way. Now, I don't know if he worked on that one or not, but he made... Uh, women smoking an appealing thing and he uh he again he was the major funder of the negro project he and his wife set up the lasker foundation which exists to this day you can visit their website in fact i encourage you to visit lasker foundation just put that in a search engine uh and they have a little history you know you click on history they are very proud of their founders <clears throat> now uh, albert uh, died in 52 she was much younger she lived <laughs> until the early 1970s she's actually put on a postage stamp believe it or not they lobbied uh, to get have federal government be more involved with medical research more funding they also were big in uh, socialized medicine lasker was a republican he actually worked on the um harding campaign and uh, oh mary was a democrat and uh, it's funny uh, how, you know, sometimes party distinctions are meaningless. And that was really one of my initial goals was to point out, you know, how the Republicans, uh, some Republicans, I'm not talking about the the old paleoconservative uh, 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 Republicans. Now they're considered MAGA, you know, that's the MAGA Republicans as opposed to the uh, rhinos or the globalist Republicans. And so um, she... She was entertained by Lyndon Johnson, of course. Obviously, they're of the same mindset. Um, and I actually emailed before I sent the last uh, version of the book to the printer. I asked if they would give me a statement in an email. I sent several emails if there's a statement about the racist roots of their founders. No reply. And I didn't expect one. Now, uh, Clarence Gamble... He uh, formed uh, in the right after World War II. He formed the North Carolina, North Carolina Human Betterment League, and their goal was forced sterilization. And by the way, forced sterilization was something that was done in the United States. A number of states uh, were doing it, even up until the early 1970s. And it wasn't just blacks. I don't want you to think of, you know they were people they thought were had low IQ. And uh, it was that infamous uh, Supreme Court case uh, back in the 1920s. And um, I think it was the Supreme Court Justice Holmes where he said that, well, he was talking about a woman that they had forced sterilization. He said, so many generations of morons and idiots is enough. And the bottom line is she hadn't, she was of average intelligence. She wasn't a moron. Even if she were, it's not the government's job to uh, do that. Um, but oh, Sanger too, by the way, she... Um, she was able to get communists and Nazis working together and Klansmen. It was very interesting. So I made that, I put uh, in, I have a small chapter about the uh, Klansmen 
Nazis and <clears throat> communists. One of the communists, a man who became uh, later became a communist, although he worked with communists all his life, was W.E.B. Du Bois. And this is a statement that he made. Let me see if I can pull it up on the book here. Now, um, Du Bois was one of the so-called elitists. He was an elite black. He was an intellectual. And he was, um, <clears throat> he talked about the, the, the talented tent, I guess it was. And he had uh, great regard. So he made a statement. In 1932, uh, Sanger started the, um, he had, a, he, she had a board of black men, mostly men. I think there are a few women there that were advisors. Uh, and I'm going to see, I'm trying to find a letter. I should have had it. I should have had it at my fingertips. Um, here we go. So here we go. <clears throat> On the other hand, the mass of ignorant Negroes still breed carelessly and disastrously, disastrously. So that the increase among Negroes, even more than the increase among whites, is from that part of the population least intelligent and fit and least able to rear their children properly. And that was uh, right from Dubois. Uh, he received the Lenin Peace Prize, named after Vladimir Lenin, of course. And he moved out of the country in uh, 1961, lived the rest of his life in Ghana. Um, then there was Dr. Ernst Rudin. And Dr. Rudin was uh, the man in charge of the Nazi sterilization program. He was a, a party member. And uh, the reason why he, he survived the Nuremberg trials, because he had so many contacts in England and the United States, it would have been an embarrassment. So he lived out his life. Um, and then there was a guy, and he was a very active member of Sanger's circle. He was from Brookline, Massachusetts. His name was um, Luthrop Stoddard. <clears throat> and Stoddard uh, wrote a book called uh, The Rising Tide of Color Against the White World Supremacy. He was a Klan's member. He was a founding member of Sanger's Birth Control League. He traveled to Nazi Germany where he was wrongly received. He interviewed many top Nazis and even had a meeting with Hitler. He was a good old boy from Brookline, Massachusetts. And by the way, uh, that's also where Michael Dukakis is from. And uh, another man I mentioned in the book, a man named John Rock. John Rock was one of the men that pioneered the birth control pill. A good Catholic boy, too, by the way, as, uh, as, as we point out in the book here. And so I'm going to put this, yeah, he was, uh, and they, they actually experimented with uh, people in mental institutions in Massachusetts and that things weren't going so well, even some of his patients. And that's when they end up going to Puerto Rico. I guess Puerto Rico by the 1930s was very, even though it was a Catholic population, they were kind of lax on uh, certain laws. And so birth control devices back then, the early ones were the, were the um, sponges and spermicides, something else that, um, that Gamble worked on. <laughs> And by, I meant to mention. I want. Uh, I want to mention too that Gamble. Um, he also formed uh, the Pathfinder. Now it's called Pathfinder International. And I went to their website, and they do acknowledge the racist past of their founder, but guess what? That doesn't change their mission. You know, you imagine uh, if there were some genocidal Nazis still around, but uh, they said, "Well, we reject the racist policies of Adolf Hitler." 
but we're still carrying out his mission. Yeah, so this type of racism is, you know, this racism is bad. It's a sin against God, and uh, but it's one thing, you know, the Klansmen with their, you know, painting, uh, you know, burning crosses and holding rallies and intimidating, that's bad. But this is even worse because today they have such an impact in the black community. Uh, there's only, uh, I think it was more, there are more black babies aborted in New York than are born. So more than half of the pregnancies end in abortion. And where did all, all this stem from? It all stemmed from Planned Parenthood and all of these white elitists. And today, I think every single black Democrat in Congress is either a member or a big supporter of Planned Parenthood. And today, there's only one Democrat in Congress from Texas that is pro-life. And they went after him. They tried to get him out. They primaried him. He, he survived his primary. That shows you that, that this party is the party of death. It used to be, the pro-life movement used to be mainly Democrat Catholics. Anyway, we're running out of time. I want to thank you for listening and apologize for the cough here and there. Uh, and if you, get, you can get a copy of the book on our website, campconstitution.net, and just go to the shop, and uh, and I'll, I'll have that up in a short time. So thank you for listening. Until next week, may God richly bless you.